before I really dive into what's on my heart to talk about today, I wanted to release some encouragement and some testimonies because I feel like that's important. If you know me and my prophetic role, I feel like it's really important to, I've talked about this so many times, to revisit uh, prophetic words, to rejoice um, when they come into fruition together as family. Um, so if you remember, the first Sunday of the year was January 1st, and the five of us, um, all five members of our five-fold leadership team, uh, prayed about what words we felt like were on this year, 2023, and I wanted to share some of those words of how they're coming to pass. Um, anyways, two, to, like I said, rejoice in what's happening, and then also to kind of release as an invitation for you guys, if this is some stuff that you've been praying in to receive this as you know, what's in the family as a breakthrough can be your breakthrough, and this is something you can take to prophesy into your future, um, and can be hope if you're in a valley in these places. So, that's the design of family. We get to receive from one another. So, two of the words were family coming home and babies coming home, and we've had testimonies, a lot of testimonies, um, about several of those things, so I just wanted to share a couple, um, for adoption, we've had multiple, like, wild adoption stories coming into fruition, which has been really cool to see babies coming home, and multiple stories of parents, hopeful parents conceiving. One was a story where somebody had been trying to get pregnant for five years conceiving, um, which was really fun to just, oh, rejoice in Jesus. Um, in relation to family coming home, um, we've had stories of families just praying for those that have been lost in their families, um, testimonies of lost people just, you know, coming home, coming into their identity, um, and two of those stories were in relation to someone in their family walking in a homosexual lifestyle and laying that down and receiving their identity and coming into full fruition of all those prayers that their family has laid before them. So, big, big, exciting testimonies for you guys to receive, so if you're hopeful to get pregnant... <laughs> Um, to adopt, or if you've been praying for a family that's lost, or just praying for somebody that's laid down their identity, um, I feel like the Lord is just saying that he doesn't want us to be surprised when things like that happen, um, to be surprised when somebody's walking in homosexuality and walks away from that, um, and experiences transformation and healing and repentance, or to be surprised by, like, five years of trying to get pregnant year after year and conceiving. This is his reality, <laughs> The miraculous is his reality, and because we are his, this is our reality. There's never any situation that's outside of his scope of hope, his healing, his supernatural ability. He is not our last resort. He's not like our Hail Mary. I don't even fully know what that term means. <laughs> but, like, he is our first place that we go to, like, when we get a headache, when our kids, like, we get to display this to our children you know, when our kids skin their knee, like, the first thing I see Wes all the time, like, I mean, of course, we run and hug them and comfort them, but the first thing is, like, turning to Jesus, prayer, praying, healing, you know, and so we're setting the tone, setting the example for our kids, for this is our first place that we turn to, is to Jesus. I mean, the supernatural reality gets to be the reality that we set up for them to show them this is the first place that we go. It's not you know, so crazy or wild or something unexpected. Uh, this is the worldview that we get to have. And like Wes said last week, this is another way that we look different. We live in astounding hope because we love a God <laughs> that is astoundingly full of hope. So that's just in the room today to receive. 
Um, if you're praying or pressing into those things, here's testimony for you to receive, like I was saying, to prophesy into your future. God's done it. He'll do it again. Um, and yet another reason why living in family is so good and so powerful, we get to receive from one another what someone else's breakthrough gets to be yours also. I heard this one example of like the picture of living in a house and there's something you need, like just go in your garage and, and go in the boxes and see what else your family has stored and that gets to be yours. Like we're a family. Breakthrough gets to be other people's breakthrough. So we're just going to breathe that in for a moment. Jesus, mm, it's so good to be yours. It's so good to live in hope and family. And yeah, if you're just pressing into any of those things, or if this is just even a reminder of something you've been pressing into, like a word that you heard, even at the beginning of the year, beginning of a new season, I just release just that fresh wind of hope um, to your heart, um, that God is who he says he is. He is faithful. <laughs> and even in the valleys, we, we hold on to your words of hope, Jesus, just knowing you are who you say you are. <laughs> yes and amen. Mm. Jesus. Okay. Just wanted to start there, even though that's not what I'm going to talk about. It's sort of related in a way. Um, so what I want to talk about today is the importance of belonging to a church body and community and ultimately the very demonic agenda and ideology that you can be a Christian and not be part of the church. And I know that might feel heavy, <laughs> uh, but you know us, we don't shy away from the truth. Um, and I've personally been really grieved uh, to see people buy into this, and years later, they're just unrecognizable. Walking with Jesus years later, they're, they're not. And it's because not rooting in church and not rooting in family goes against your very design. We are literally designed by God to exist in family, and when you receive Jesus, you become one with him, and you are part of his bride. You are designed to be in and actively a part of his bride, which is his church for your maturity, your growth, and your thriving. And honestly, whether you like it or not, when you receive Jesus, you are part of the church. It's just the enemy's agenda to convince you that you can do this outside of family. Because outside of family, you don't truthfully grow, and the enemy's good with that. He's great with that. So I've really had on my heart just a lot of thoughts, and like I said, seeing those people and just my heart grieving and praying and interceding. So this has been on my heart a lot, just conversating with the Lord about the need for revelation and understanding of what covenant relationships are today. God has created us to be in family and to have covenant relationships. It's uh, really popular in the world right now, on TikTok and all the things, for it to be about creating boundaries and cutting people out of your life, which don't misunderstand me. Like, I understand <laughs> that there are appropriate places for boundaries, but it's almost like there's been such a heavy focus on separation that we've also inadvertently cut out longstanding covenantal relationships that we are willing to commit to that will shape our growth. I, this is just like a personal opinion, I personally believe you should have two to three people where there's like a, a level of trust that God can work with to massively grow you and that they can speak hard truths to you. 
uh, or that really God can speak through them to you. <laughs> um, we're so individualistic in our American society, especially that the idea of committing and rooting to family and walking with people in that way is not championed because it requires sacrifice. It requires everything not being about me, myself, and I, and how I would like it. <laughs> we see the church and family as how it can serve me, meet my needs. We don't truthfully communicate and work through questions together. Um, we aren't vulnerable to share and receive without offense, and we expect perfection instead of just a healthy, albeit imperfect maybe, <laughs> but a healthy place to just grow and thrive. We are created for family. All of the entirety of scripture shows us this. I, I just don't know how you can be a Christian and not be in love with the church. It's Jesus' bride. <laughs> and some people may say, well, I was hurt, and I understand that. Like a lot of us have been, um, and I'm not discounting that. Um, but we need to be reconciled to one another if you get hurt in a relationship, it doesn't mean you never give, like, you give up and never get in a relationship ever again. You got hurt by the church, it doesn't mean you just quit the church. I heard this one example, it made me laugh. Like, if you had a bad experience with a job, it means you just, like, you just never work again, ever. It's like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> if we're hurt, we actively work towards healing. We lay down our offenses for the sake of Jesus's heart, which is his bride. So... One of the kind of chapters I wanted to focus on today or that we're going to read is Acts 2, 42 through 47. And you can go there or I can just read it to you. I promise this is what it says. <laughs> um, so Acts 2, verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. I'm going to read that again. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So here we see the church is designed to fellowship, to gather, to commune. They were actively together, physically and emotionally. Continuing verse 43, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together. They were together. <laughs> Not separate and like side, small groups, they were together and had everything in common. And I love that Jesus like left that there. Just had to, he didn't have to say that. But I just wonder why it felt like they had everything in common. Because they were family, they were growing and maturing together, and they were not isolating. You can't really have everything in common when you're separating yourself from each other. I just thought that was cool. Okay, continuing. Verse 45, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And I feel like people read that verse and they kind of discount this whole picture because they're like, well, that's like impossible. And it's like, okay, well, this wasn't socialism. Like this was a very different context of people. <laughs> like they were, they were Jewish. They, were, they would have been heavily persecuted, you know, once they chose to follow Jesus. It was intense persecution in the early church. So specific circumstances help us make sense of that. And we're not in that same position. <laughs> okay, verse 46. Um, and every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Every 
day. Sometimes I feel like it's hard enough to convince people why it's vital to just come one day. This was every day or two days. And this is, and for us, it's like on our day off on the weekend. And here they are every day gathering in the temple, not in their houses, not in like a random park, in the temple every day they gathered. Can you imagine? Because then, verse 46, after they gathered every day together in the temple, then they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. I just feel like a lot of us would be like, whoo, I am sick of you. And here, this is, <laughs> this is the blueprint of church, y'all. <clears throat> so, okay, with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So what's the lesson here? Oh, Jesus, convict us. <laughs> One or two days, they were meeting every day, doing life together, worshiping together, praying together, going to a local church, committing to family, allowing yourself to be molded, fully submitting, loving, sacrificing, rooting in church. It's God's plan for every believer. It's the blueprint for the church growing in maturity. We have to submit ourselves to trusting in the Lord's design. He designed this thing. He designed church. He designed family. And the idea of the body maturing and becoming the bride of Christ. It wasn't like, I just can imagine being like, oh, God, I'm not sure that you know. But, like, things are different now. And I like to watch church online in the quiet of my home, in the comfort of my pajamas. And there's people also, there's people at church I'm not sure that I like. Oh, I'm like, maybe the Lord's trying to refine something in you through those people. Because um, here it is in Scripture that it's God's plan for us to be here. Um, we have to affirm Scripture as being truth. If there's any part of us that hesitates and is like, oh, I'm not sure that I agree with that, <laughs> then we submit ourselves and lay down every influence, every influencer, every interpretation, and instead choose his word. Romans 12, uh, verse 4 and 5, I'm sure you've heard these, but I read these in a new way just in relation to that chapter. For just as each of us has one body with many members, these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We belong to each other. <laughs> I need you, and you need me. We need one another. We need one another to come and to be together and to be present, to be present with our time, with our hearts, with our love, with our money, to work together, fellowship together, serve together, love, be vulnerable together. We are not created to be conformed to this highly individualistic society. Yes, we are individuals, but we simultaneously belong to one another in Christ as his body, the bride. We don't just belong to ourselves. We belong to Jesus, and Jesus is building his body, the bride, that we belong to. So it looks like coming and giving of ourselves, our time, our money, our gifting, so that the church is awesome. And so that God continues to add daily to the number of those being saved so that the house can grow within a family. 
this is the way that the church is God's hope for the world. It's how he extends the kingdom of God so that when newly saved people come to the church, they're so faced with family. It's unlike anything they've ever seen before because the world doesn't look like this. The world doesn't offer anything that's that kind of authentic, pure love that has no strings attached. That's the plan for the church, to grow up together and to look like a body and the family of God. And I think, unfortunately, um, what I observe sometimes in a lot of charismatic people is that I feel like they can lean towards more feeling like they carry all the revelation and connection that they require <laughs> and forsake the fellowshipping of believers or forsake it unless it's like in a living room with people you're comfortable with and people you know and you all have the same giftings. And that may not, those may not be the people that you're created to be around to stretch you, to have the revelation that you don't carry also. Just like Romans 12 kind of lays that out. We all have different functions and we all benefit from one another. But we have the joy of surrendering our lives to the purposes of God, one of which is to build his church. People say, also another thing I've heard is, well, I don't need to be at church because I am the church. Um, okay, you are the church when you're at church. <laughs> You're not the church when you're at home, like watching church online in your underwear. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just, um, we are created to be rooted. Uh, there's so much talk about revival, which is beautiful and should be longed for, but part of sustaining revival is family, rooting in family. Scripture describes the people of God. We just read it in our um, offering a minute ago describes the people of God the, as the righteous, as like trees that are planted. God wants to plant us. He wants to plant us in relationships that we can't just get out of, but ones that we are willing to work in love to maturity in. Ones that help mature us and who you can help mature. Acknowledging that a church body is a family and you don't just divorce a family and hop around family to family willy-nilly. Willy-nilly. Y'all know what I mean. <laughs> Um, when I hear people um, struggling or having a hard time with depression or feeling alone or their marriage is struggling, but they're not submitting to God's design for family, I'm like, oh, it's right there. Like Psalm 68, God places the lonely in families. He has literally <laughs> set you up with family, created a space for you to not have to bear your burdens alone. And it's not Instagram. It's the family of God. Uh, in the family of God, we even, we set ourselves up to hear him better. Us together hearing God is so much more powerful than just me hearing him. And I, I mean, even just testimony from the prophetic rooms, I can't tell you how many times I have people that are like, man, I was just praying, like literally two days ago, somebody said this to me. I was just praying in the prophetic rooms and I was saying this specific thing to God and then somebody came up to me on the prophetic team and said that exact same words and I've never talked to them a day in my life and how did they, I mean, it's like, hello, talk about that kind of affirmation and confirmation of hearing God together. It takes genuinely different people from us to point out truths that we could never see on our own. We have experienced that really beautifully in the fivefold as an example and those of you that just went through the equipping track uh, may understand this pretty well now, that the five different roles can see truth through different facets, and they're all truth. They're all ways to hear what he's saying and what he's doing, and we wouldn't be able to receive the whole picture unless we were willing to hear one another and ultimately hear God through the submission to family. 
So, concluding just this part about the importance of belonging to a church body, because I want to talk a little bit about covenant relationships. Um, I feel like people are always looking for a great church. So, how do you be part of a great church? Go and be great at church. (laughs) You will make it great when you are actively present and great at church. You will help make it a great church. Um, All right, so switching a little bit, not really, but it's time. (laughs) I think it's important to ask ourselves, do we have covenant relationships that we commit to walk in through thick and thin and hard and easy? Do we have humble hearts that are quick to listen, to lay down our need to be right? And do we allow others to wound us in love? Do we have, or how do we build lives open to listening to others? So Proverbs 27, 6 says, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Do we allow people to say good, hard things to us because those that truthfully love us are going to be those that are going to be willing to be truthful to us? Do you have people in your life who are kind enough to wound you in love, to faithfully speak the truth and to challenge you? Or do we cut someone off from our life when they challenge us? There's a chance that when we cut somebody off, we're not just cutting them off, we're cutting off what God is trying to speak to us through them. He wants you to hear him through others, and he wants to speak to others through you. But you can't hear him through others and speak to others when there isn't fellowship and trust built by submission to family. That's why the traveling prophet, you know, isn't always well received (laughs) because even if they have a right word there isn't a foundation of relationship for it to be planted into or they may have a wrong word because they aren't in the family and the Lord isn't going to give it to them because they aren't privileged to you know the culture and context of the family Proverbs 18.1 says a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire he rages against all wise judgment Maturity in Christ is designed to happen within the context of relationships. God's voice is not only an internal dialogue, yes it is, but God-ordained relationships in our life are there for a reason to help filter and further expand what he's speaking or doing, and we can't manipulate the voice of God as easily when it's coming from someone else. So ask yourself, this is kind of my challenge, (laughs) to ask yourself, who has God brought into your life? Because it has to be somebody that God brought. Because covenant relationships are not meant to be engaged in lightly. And if you're unsure, pray and ask. Pray and ask who he's brought for that purpose. Pray and ask him to bring people for that purpose. Because covenant relationships, trust me, they, they look different from the world and they will change your life. So, um, that's kind of where I wanted us to close out on. I'm going to close this out in some prayer, just in engaging with the Lord's heart. Um, Another part of the word at the beginning of the year, I remember I was praying about for 2023, and I kept having visions of roots and root systems, and I felt like I heard the firming of foundations and the strengthening of vision. And I believe that God is firming the foundations of the church by rooting the body to be ripe for maturity. 
And I believe that he's strengthening the vision of the church to understand her purpose and ready her to be a family ready to receive the ground shaking that is coming of millions coming to Christ in the coming years and decades. I'm sure many of y'all have heard the prophecies of like the billion soul harvest. (laughs) And recently I can like feel it in my bones. And I don't know how or when, or if I'm even going to like see it all in my lifetime. (coughs) And that doesn't even come close to mattering. Sorry, y'all. The reality is that there is a very real darkness out there, and there are very real people that are asleep out there. And who knows that when it's dark, the light shines the brightest. And who knows that when there is persecution in the church, whether it be physical or spiritual or emotional, there are floods of converts. And those that will come into an awakening of who Jesus really was and is. He is readying his body. He's readying his bride to lay down offenses, to reconcile to one another, to submit to and receive from one another because we need one another all for the sake of maturity for the bride so that we can have open arms to be a family for new believers to be planted. So Jesus... Reconcile our hearts to your plan, to your vision for the church. Reconcile our hearts to one another. We just submit to your plan for maturity. (laughs) Even if we're hesitant, we trust you. We trust you because we want to be your bride. We want to be your body. We want to be a family. And we want to take steps, whatever it looks like, to be in covenant with one another. To really submit to one another, to hear you from one another, to receive from one another. Yeah, I just feel like, I just want to speak this out, that we're we're not made to receive wisdom and guidance uh, from the world, from whatever is popular by some influencer. We're made to receive our wisdom and our guidance from your word, from the, the body, from the church. And we submit ourselves to that truth. We lay down anything that we've come into agreement with that's other than what you lay out in your scriptures for our growth, for our maturity, for our thriving. We just submit ourselves fully to you, God. Amen. So I just want to, I guess we are coming to a close. I'm going to let Steve lead us in some soaking um, and just encourage you to just ask the Lord those questions um, where your heart is with your heart for his bride, his church and where he's taking our, our, us as a body, and, and um, 
yeah, any of those covenant relationships he's maybe even tugging on your heart right now about or asking to bring into your life. Because his ways are, are beautiful and they're good and they're lovely. And we just say yes to just submission to them all, Jesus. Amen.